Hi, I'm Modit. I am founder and CEO of Dozy. I'm very glad to be here interacting today with Akshay. Did you know that the US spends almost 16% of its GDP on healthcare, making it one of the biggest sectors in the economy? And while the space of healthcare has seen a lot of disruption in the pharmacy and outpatient side, the core business of running hospitals has not changed as much, which is what makes Dozy one of the most important health tech companies around. In this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, your host Akshay Dutt talks to Mudit Danwate, the founder of Dozy, about his extraordinary journey of building up Dozy. Unlike many other health tech startups, Dozy is not just building a software stack but also a physical product along with it. They have made it possible for hospitals to get data about patients' vital statistics 24/7 in a non-invasive manner. And this is a game changer for patient care. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform for inspiring stories of courage and disruption from India's finest founders. Okay, so uh, where are you from? Which city were you born in? Where did you grow up? So I was born and brought up in Gwalior, Madhya Pradesh. Yeah, and uh, what did your parents do? So my dad uh, was an engineer uh, in Doordarshan and Prasad Bharti, Nakashwani, and so on. So that's where I got very fascinated uh, with engineering. And my mom, for the least, I would say she's a hustler. And then uh, she has done, I, I would imagine, almost everything from growing uh, mushrooms to uh, and selling it to uh, doing stock trading, commodity trading, uh, selling insurance, uh, right? So big influence also comes from her because I think uh, being an entrepreneur, I think that I learned from my mom. Wow, amazing. So like, did you uh, do an engineering then? What was your chosen career path when you were in school? Always one of my dreams uh, was, uh, and I always used to ask my dad was that uh, I want to create my own car, uh, right? So how do I do that? So my dad basically had a very dad answer, uh, right, for that. So he was like, if you're doing that, you need to go to one of the best engineering colleges in the country or to aim for IIT Mumbai, and then you get to create your own car. So, you know, that's how I always wanted to and that's how my, you know, dream kind of shaped up. And yeah, I started preparing for IIT JE. I, I went to IIT Mumbai, mechanical engineering, exactly, you know, what <laughs> he told me to do. But but the funny part was when, of course, I reached there, there was no cap there, right? There were only codes. So it also shaped uh, further over there after that because uh, then what I did was I founded a race star team in IIT Mumbai. So even convinced Dean of R&D that, you know, this is what students should be doing for learning and all that. And we used to create race cars. And I made four full-scale race cars in my stint in IIT Mumbai. Uh, and it was amazing. In fact, India's first electric race car was built by IIT. Wow, amazing. So are there like student-run uh, race car events or you were participating in those regular racing events? So it was, uh, you know, racing events, but for students. So it's kind of on the same lines of formula racing. 
but for students, so we used to go to Silverstone uh, and other parts of the world, uh, taking our car along with us and used to race it. There used to be a full racing season when we used to be out. It was lots of fun. And I also used to be the driver of the car as well. It was a rocket ship. So it used to do zero to about 103 seconds. So it was a rocket ship. That way. Okay. And this was an EV that you built? It was an EV. So I built both EVs as well as I built all-terrain vehicles. So we had two distinct competitions in which we used to go in. So one was all-terrain vehicle, which was more for dirt driving and all of that. So that was one set. So you used to jump over the logs and all of that. Uh, and the other part was uh, EV. Mm. Wow, amazing. Okay. So uh, then what, like uh, by the time you finished IIT, what, what did you want to pursue as your career? So the thing that I wanted to pursue after that was again in the similar line. In fact, joined a company which, which was into mechanical simulations for race cars and all of that. Altair Engineering I joined. Uh, that's where I learned to use a lot of data analytics, uh, right? Engineering to improve, optimize vehicle health, performance, and all of that. Hmm. But what does Altair do? Tell me about Altair. So Altair is known for creating these mechanical simulation softwares, uh, right? Okay, it's a software company. Correct. For, for automotive industry generally. Uh, so for CAD design, for CAD optimization. And then multi-body dynamics and so on, right? So I used to be in multi-body dynamics team, which used to cater to the uh, automobile division to help teams, help companies optimize their vehicle performance using data analytics and all that. So, so that's where I got this entire hang of how to, you know, use simulation data, how to use sensor data, telemetry to improve vehicle health. And finally, transpired that you know why it is restricted to uh, vehicle health, why can't we bring it to human health and that's how Dozy actually came out. So like, uh, I mean, you were in a job, I'm assuming it would have been a well-paying job and you, uh, like what made you feel that, okay, let me quit this well-paying job and become an entrepreneur. What was that trigger moment? No, actually more than one trigger moment, right? It was kind of a build-up uh, for that, which finally led to the decision. So one thing, again, I this always wanted to be an entrepreneur, uh, wanted to, you know, decide uh, what I want to do, especially in the high energy period of my life, right? I wanted to do something in which I can really control the destiny. Uh, and uh, uh, like you, you wanted to recreate that uh, IIT Bombay race car. I'm assuming you would have been in control of that team and deciding and all of that. A lot of it, yes, right. So one was that. The second trigger was that what was the difference that I was also making, right? I was working very hard. We were doing things, but what are we doing? We were probably making few German cars faster, few Japanese cars faster. And so on by by and they are already quite fast, right? So they did the really required answer was maybe. But and it and it kills us all. But actually the delta difference that you are creating was not really enticing me enough over there. And the la uh, one of the part is that you know the growth that I was looking for myself, I was not getting exactly that. Uh, right over there. So all of these things and then combined with one few of the family events that happened in the family, which really exposed, you know, how broken the healthcare system was in India. 
uh, and that really got me thinking that you know why can't we really work on this to fix it rather than you know creating these delta kind of innovations over there right why can't we just fix so what what happened in your family like what what were those events yeah so one of them was my uncle uh, had diabetes for very long so both the kidneys failed and he had to go through kidney transplant and so on right so i really saw that you know how frail human health can be and secondly right over there the kind of monitoring which was available there were lots of lapses which happened in his treatment right which prolonged a lot of things and they were easily avoidable uh, only if someone was monitoring it more diligently only we had better tools to do that right and not blaming anyone over there but and everyone was trying their best but you know we are just not equipped today uh, in 21st century we are still using a lot of age old technologies age old techniques uh, right and the volume of patients that we are catering to uh, nurses are lesser doctors are not that many as well right so it's impossible if we don't adopt technology and that's what you know led to uh, this thought process what was the plan what was your zero to one journey so the zero to one journey uh, actually there was no plan uh, to start with so both me and gaurav started discussing that there are a lot of gaps one of the and gaurav is your uh, iit batchmate gaurav and me were colleagues in altair and he comes from iit indore uh, right uh, same batch so we were we joined together so we were working very closely always and i always always wanted to bounce off my idea with, with him because he will always give a very fresh perspective and not just say yes for yes uh, right so uh discussed thoroughly with gaurav gaurav loved it He's like yes we should be doing this and gaurav was all prepared to go for his masters uh right you know like chuck this we are going to do this and we both started this so that is how it uh, began but uh, you know as you asked uh, first we started identifying what are the gaps so this was our hypothesis that healthcare is broken what we did was for next 2 to 3 months and all of that right, we just went down deep in the market talk to a lot of doctors talk to a lot of hospital owners and so on try to understand what are really the gaps and try to also observe over there that you know not just talking to them what gaps they are feeling because that might be always an incremental thing i don't go yeah matlab like, what they would ask for is ki mera bas ye chota sa kaam automate kar do ye kar do but no we were looking for something which was not a delta innovation but a step uh, function change uh, right so we observed that you know one thing which is common across the entire healthcare segment especially in inpatient department and so on is healthcare needs to be data driven that everyone agrees everyone at least wants to believe that right we today as well when we go to a doctor it is based on reports it is based on some data some uh, opd also if we go then take temperature from thermometer they'll take spo2 and all of that they'll take your blood work Uh, to determine what is exactly the cause, so it is data driven. Having said that, when we are inside the hospital or even at home while we are recuperating, at that time data goes for a toss. Then there is no data. Then it is just feeling. कि कैसा लग रहा है. On the basis of that, you know, medicines are given and all of that, right? We thought that why can't we make this part also more data driven, or uh, right, more evidence based and so on? And for that, one of the primary things that we have to do is. we have to make the process of data collection super easy uh, right what is that then once we have cracked data collection 
then using this data can we create analytics which can actually improve uh, decision making and the last part is of course and then can we use ai to finally improve the patient outcomes right so these were three steps that we determined which can really create a difference uh, right and we started working towards how to make data collection easy the step one towards that right we thought that you know the place where uh, you know person who is recuperating i don't want to use the word patient per se but person when they are recuperating when they are recovering and all of that is their bed home bed or hospital bed nonetheless they are on their bed so why can't that damn bed itself be so smart that it knows how well are you doing right that basic data collection is done by the bed with zero intrusion right so we had always the idea that for it to be super scalable it has to be very simple for the end user end user is patient and mortis so it has to be installed one once and forget it model it has to be like zero friction for the uh, user and that's where you know we came up with this contactless uh, monitoring tools right what were the things that you wanted to monitor so heart rate respiration blood pressure spo2 and temperature these are five things that are called vitals and these are called vitals because they give a true picture about your health right over it i would say uh, you know there are few more parameters which also are very good indicators about your health which is your sleep uh, right and now probably you know your uh, sugar levels as well right and that is where we started that you know how many of these parameters can we monitor without touching the person as well uh, right and that's how uh, the journey started of making a contactless monitor just place it under the mattress once and that's it uh, moment uh, the user sleeps on it the data starts flowing uh, it is available on the cloud uh, so that nurses can monitor it remotely and then ai is also monitoring this data doing the frame page analysis but because it is not possible for a human to just keep on staring at a screen so if a patient's data is changing and is reaching a concerning level the ai will flag it in early stages you know code blue event so that uh, the early signs of developing an infection right which are very clear based on this data and there are tons of research on this this is not something which we have innovated what we have innovated is how to seamlessly take the data how to make it available in the place where it can be utilized uh, perfectly and then giving them right kind of information so that they can take right kind of intervention right that is what we do so this sounds like a hard device to build uh, you know something which can be discreet enough to not bother your sleep when it goes under the mattress and so like uh, how did you go about trying to build this how many iterations did you have to do what Uh, you know how did you figure out the the hardware part of it it was hard of course so it took us almost four and a half years to perfect uh, right uh, and because we had to perfect this to that limit that whatever be the mattress it can be an 18 inch mattress doesn't matter whatever is the posture it doesn't really matter but it can placed under an 18 inch mattress also it can monitor a tiny heart wall movement also is it like a sheet or what is it like yeah it's like a sheet that's it it's like a sheet you just place it under the mattress that's it okay so it's a sheet which has some very tiny sensors uh, embedded in it correct so it has vibration sensors so in principle it is monitoring vibrations produced by every heartbeat every time your heart is ejecting out blood every time you are inhaling exhaling 
smallest of body movements is capturing the vibration which is produced in that and then converting it into electrical signals so that uh, they can be tracked and then using AI to then segregate it into different biomarkers, heart rate, respiration. In fact, even what is left ventricle ejection time, how much time your heart is taking to pump out blood. That is called left ventricle ejection time, blood pressure. Now, this is something which is very, very, very unique to Dozi, not just in India, but in the world. In fact, arguably, this is world's first contactless blood pressure. For 150 years, you know, we know about that cluster-based blood pressure of different variations, mercury-based, digital, and so on, right? But this was placed under the mattress. And now the recent study that we have done with a couple of hospitals, uh, right, uh, in uh, Bangalore, and we are uh, on the verge of dissipating it as well, we compared it with arterial blood pressure, which is a true golden standard, which is only used in ICUs, which is invasive way in which a probe is put inside your artery, uh, right? To measure your blood pressure, when we compare that with doses, non-contact blood pressure, and we compare non-invasive blood pressure by the cuff-based method, we are more accurate than cuff-based method, which is the current standard of care. So not just making it more convenient, but we are also making it more accurate as well. And once you make it like this, now imagine what can happen is instead, you know, what nurses nurses were taking data every four hours to six hours, you're getting every minute you are getting a data. So you're not waiting for a person's health to deteriorate and then act, right? You already lost four to six hours in that. And generally in cases where it is life-threatening conditions are there, four to six hours is just too much to lose, All right? We can lose people in that. And uh, that's how Dozi saves lives today. But but, but tell me how, how you did it. Like wh- what was version one that you launched? Uh, and you know, you took four and a half years. So was it like four and a half years of no revenue? You, you spent four and a half years just to build the product? It was four and a half years of no revenue. You are right. And it was, uh, you had lots of iterations. In fact, yes, I probably went little fast in that. So, and you had asked me that question. It took us almost 67 iterations, even more than that, actually. Our first iteration, which used to, which started working was in less than six months, actually. Very easy. The idea remained the same, like a sheet with uh, vibration sensors. It was safe. So sensors we had built in six months, uh, right? And I'll come to where the complexity actually lies as well. So in six months, we had created a sensor. And... To be honest with you, right, even we had not imagined it to be a contactless sensor, right? We had imagined it to be a a non-intrusive sensor, which will be like a sheet, which will be put over the mattress. But one thing happened and one very interesting incident happened uh, that when we made our first prototype, uh, me and Gaurav thought that, you know, it's time to celebrate, right? So let's go out, have chai or something. And we have a very naughty dog. His name is Pyre. So he would just tear off everything that will come in his plain eyesight. He was six months old at that time, so teething. So he'll just tear it off. Like to save from him, we placed the sensor under the mattress. This guy went and set over the mattress, uh, right? And this, uh, and we were actually getting data. Uh, and that's how Dozy became contactless, right? So, so that was the start of, uh, you know, being uh, contactless. It was a very uh, interesting story that way. The, after that, 
I think the added complexity this added was that, you know, it had to work through different types of matrices and all of that, right? Second thing was because we always wanted to go in clinical settings, it had to go through clinical trials and all of that, uh, right? So we worked with labs like Nimhans, Jayadeva, Ames, where we proved that although this is contactless, but this is as accurate as uh, ICU grade equipment. Uh, even without and and now we are proving it is even notches above that equipment as well. What were the uh, major challenges in making this uh, device, like the the sheet? Uh, was it that uh, the the hardware of it, or taking the signals and converting it into markers, or like both had their you know share of challenges? I would say you know when you are making sensors that sensitive that it can pick up even a tiny heart wall movement placed under the mattress. It is also very sensitive. When it is sensitive, it is also going to pick up a lot of noise and so on, right? So then creating algorithms which ensure that no matter what, uh, you know, it is able to also segregate signal from the noise. So making those strong algorithms took us good time training them because it was entirely AI-based and all of that. So data collection, doing ethics clearances, everything. Uh, right, we had to go through multiple hospitals. Doing clinical trials is also not an easy job in itself. Uh, registering it with bodies like CTRI and all of that, right? Sometimes things take like months when nothing is happening. So all this has its own set of challenges. And the second part is hardware. So in hardware, one of the problems is standardization. You can create one prototype that works, right? Which you can stabilize and so on. But how to make now a replicable process? Uh, that gives you a standard quality no matter what. How do you make your output quality check that rejects any kind of, uh, you know, quality sensors which are being made and so on, right? So that you don't find it out in the field. So these are the very practical challenges, nothing very unique to Dozy, but they do come. And, and like you intended to manufacture it in-house only? No, no, no. So we even now as well, we don't uh, manufacture it in-house. Uh, because that's not our core. Uh, we are not a hardware manufacturer over there. As I mentioned, our IP lies, our uh, business lies in collecting data, dissipating it, and so on. So manufacturing is done through contract contract manufacturing. We have uh, two facilities uh, right now with us, one in Bangalore, one in Chennai. But you know, if tomorrow need be, we can open 10 more facilities in no time without having any kind of capital investment or anything like that. So that is why we wanted to keep it flexible, scalable, uh, right at the end of it. Because finally, you know, if this thing, uh, if this technology is made, it has not reached masses, you have done nothing. It has to be very scalable, every point that we made. So we always ensured that that is the core of it. How did you train the, the algorithm? Because that needs a lot of data, right? So, so did you like have it deployed in hospitals where the patient also had a BP machine hooked up or something like that and had the sheet and therefore like something like that? Or To start with, it was not even the patient, it was us. <laughs> I, I remember me and Gore spending a lot of uh, nights in labs as well with polysomnography machines. So, polyson so we worked with Nimans Human Sleep Research Lab over there, uh, where polysomnography gives you data from EMG, ECG, EOG, uh, right? So, EEG, you put 32 electrodes on your brain. EOG, you put three electrodes on your eyes. 
then you've put electrodes for your uh, for for sensing any kind of snoring which will happen uh, then on the chest there are two bands uh, right and uh, there is ecg to monitor your heart and then there is emg uh, on other parts of your body as well and then an ir based camera also to see your body movements and all of that right yes, and by the way this is the way sleep study is done and so when we pitched this initials really loved it that this is going to change the way we see healthcare because now person doesn't need to come to sleep lab to actually do that we can simply do it at their home today as well you can do it at home but that is portable machines but still it is with variations of a lot of these but imagine sleeping every day can be a sleep study uh right how your apnea is progressing how you know anything is progressing now you can get because you're not bothered it's just under the mattress doesn't matter when we had some about 20 nights of data we could uh, train algorithms to some extent we showed that you know we can do it accurately now we needed more data so that's where then we went to ctri uh, ethics clearance that what is ctri basically registering your study with the body uh so that you can do uh, clinical trials and so on uh right on other subjects as well so in that way slightly we were lucky that it is uh, because dozy is something which is non contact uh non emission based device mm, there are no side effects it really doesn't harm it doesn't harm anyone so if someone is going through a sleep study putting a dozy under the bed doesn't really make a difference right so then we got it as well right after the results were good then we started getting few of the patients data as well and that's how we started training it for them uh then when we had done it in one hospital we showed the results to another hospital that you know see we have done this now we also want to diversify it further want to also do it on heart patients as well so that's where jay deva came in that's where now aims jodhpur also came in uh, right So, so essentially these hospitals are your clinical trial partners like exactly correct they they are running clinical trials uh, along with you correct. is this like a paid thing that you pay them to run the clinical trials or like is it part of growing the body of knowledge and uh, improving the ecosystem so like that is why they participate in it it depends generally in government institutes and in public institutes it's not paid basically yes you pay a part of it but then you are just for whatever you know operational costs are there you are you are paying for that right uh okay you're just covering their costs yes so government bodies are not supposed to make any money and so on out of this right it is for uh, as you mentioned for taking the fines for the and then doing publications so once we do publications and all of that so we are it is co-authored and all of that but uh you know there also comes a time when 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 speed also matters at that times you hire and where we are today uh, right so today when we have to do a trial we also go to some bodies and generally these are private institutions as well where you know we have to do and then data collection not just in public setting but in private as well right because now settings also matter now you have to do data collection not just in india but in uh, us as well for say mda right they won't accept indian data they also would like us data as well so at that time it is paid and at that time you have to pay a lot <laughs> so yeah yeah right right okay so during this period of r&d I-, i believe you also had like a personal tragedy do, do you is that something you want to talk about so yes 
So during about when we are uh, building all of this up, I was always very you know, enthusiastic about going outdoors and so on, right? And my my brace from my work would would be that you know I'll go for a run, walk, drive uh, outside city. After you know, maybe some uh, stressful instinct, I wanted to go out with my dogs uh, for a run, right? We were running around the lake. Uh, in in that time, you know, these two dogs went into the lake, and they would generally do right. One of them is Labrador, so he he is fond of water. So whenever he sees water, he has to jump into that. Uh, so went quite deep into the lake, and uh, I saw that he started panicking a bit, uh, right? And seemed to me he is drowning. So without thinking much, I uh, you know jumped into the lake, uh, and when I approach. The dog I saw that actually there was a crocodile which was approaching him. So I came between in between the dog and the crocodile. So I saved the dog. Uh, I I pulled him out as well, but basically I lost my left arm uh, in the entire process. So uh, I I literally had to fight a crocodile to come out at that time uh, because that because he had pulled me into the deep waters, right? So I had to. Uh, in a way, also break my own arm, which was partly inside the crocodile's jaw. So broke my arm. Uh, had that detachment. That's how I came out uh, of the water. Went to hospital. Informed family. There were people there, or or you drove yourself, or they? No, no, people were there. I don't know. It was. I, I wish it was that heroic. <laughs> no, this is pretty heroic on its own. Yeah. So yeah, and then uh, so this happened, uh, right? Uh, recovered uh, in some time. About it took me about a week or two to recover completely. Uh, came out of hospital, was in ICU, had a couple of surgeries also after that. This was in uh, like about a year after you had started Dozy. About three years. About two years after that. Two two and a half years. Three. Okay. Two years after, okay. So yeah, we were quite in the middle of it actually, right? And I then came out, uh, and you know, always my approach towards a problem has been that you know we'll uh, solve it through engineering, because I, I actually was left with a shorter stump than uh, you know what generally is required for putting a prosthetic and so on, right? So many of the companies which have prosthetic arms actually refused me. Uh, right, that uh, is not possible for this. So I decided to build a prosthetic for my own, on my own, and uh, basically it is also controlled by my brain and so on as well. So I can still, you know, function it to a good extent. I can hold things, lift things, and all of that by just thinking about it. Uh, so yes, so that is also something which both again me and Gaurav we did that. So he did the. Coding part of it, while I took care of the hardware, the design, and all. It was kind of a mini weekend project that we had taken outside those years. Well, so yeah. How how does uh, your brain control the prosthetic arm? Uh, how do the signals travel? Like so, exactly how your yours also does. <laughs> so what actually happens in the and the science behind that is when you are controlling your arm or you want it to open or close. What is happening is your brain is sending signal to basically the the nerves, uh, right? Which also travel on your uh, surface as well uh, of your skin. Uh, and if you can tap those signals, right, and then train AI algorithms that you know when you think this, when the signals are like this, it means this. 
when signals are like this, then it means this, right? So you can do some level of that. It's still not as uh, sophisticated as your hand as you, oh. and then we sometimes, you know, forget to imagine what kind of bits we have got. And this kind of dexterity, what we have in our hand, I don't think we are going to get there even in the next 20 years as well. But uh, yeah, still you can do something about it. Wow. And this is like standard, uh, most prosthetic arms have this technology of uh, like some sensors which can read the electric signals. Uh... Correct. Correct. So prosthetic arms, not most, uh, but the advanced ones, very advanced ones. Okay. So uh, how were you funding this? Like it must have been about 2019 or so by the time you were ready to deploy it. Uh, those uh, four years, uh, uh, how did you fund it? So uh, in the beginning, it was by, it was all bootstrap money, what we had saved from our job. Uh, and we were saving for our higher education or whatever you wanted to do. So it was partly funded by that to start with. Then once we had some prototypes and all, it was funded by grants. And then lastly, it was, uh, we also raised, you know, some angel money and so on as well. Uh, right. Uh, but only after we started getting certain kind of traction, we had product ready for the market. We then raised our first institutional round in 2020 through Prime. And I think, uh, you know, you have uh, spoken to Sanjay as well, uh, right before me. So Sanjay was, uh, one of the early believers in the company. Now still it has been about three more rounds post that. And, uh, uh, we have our, you know, early backers even till date. So Prime Ventures, 314 Capital, Yornes, who came in in 2020 and, you know, continue to be with us even today as well. Yeah, I think you raised about $18 million in the last two years, right? Like this is post your uh, product market fit getting established in a way. Correct. How did you uh, do your go-to market? Like essentially you were doing sales to hospitals. Uh, the, the product is for uh, like ICUs or like who's your customer? So to start with, actually, the thought was to build more for a home kind of scenario. But at, you know, that time, one thing which actually has shaped the way healthcare is today is the COVID movement, which happened. Uh, so COVID really exposed that, you know, the healthcare infrastructure that we have is really broken. Therefore, basically, you know, creating faster uh, capacity building was required in terms of critical care and so on. So we started working towards that and started augmenting our own product uh, more towards hospital needs. And then that became the main product. So today the main product that we have is the hospital product. Why are they different products? Why, uh, what is different for the hospital product? Because the operations are different. The way it is used is different. The kind of robustness required, the kind of data consumption that happens, right? So same technology, similar technology, but from a product standpoint, they're very different. Um, right. One is that. So we started working towards that and we launched our hospital product. It became a huge hit. Uh, so when did you launch it? We launched it in uh, late 2020. And when did you launch the home product? Late 2019. Okay. What was the home product price at? And, and like what kind of sales did you see for that? The kind of sales that we saw for that was near steadily growing it, it was getting a decent amount of traction you know i would say from amazon our own websites and all of that right we even had deals with few of the mattress companies as well who wanted to embed the technology into their uh mattresses and so on so it was seeing a decent amount of traction over there uh but 
you know during the covid the entire market crashed for uh, this entire industry and that year we thought that you know probably now it is and it was very much needed for even the survival of the company and so we did that pivot and it became a huge success what did you price the home product at so home product was priced at nearly about 200 dollars so about 15000 odd rupees uh, right for for yeah which is very affordable right okay for for about 2 years of subscription and so on so uh, th- like the uh, subscription is for uh, the data how did the data get transferred was it like using bluetooth or like what so it connects uh, using wifi uh, wifi so it's like your google home alexa model right so it is connected to your internet and uses it to transmit the data to the cloud and so on and and for a home user it's like a sheet you put under the mattress okay put it under the mattress and you plug it to a power source probably and then you use your mobile phone and there must be an app to connect it to wifi and then that app would start showing you the statistics and you can choose to share those statistics with a doctor if you want to or something like that you got it and damn right doesn't it and the uh, hospital product uh, for in hospital probably you would need to connect to their information system i guess like hospitals may be using some enterprise grade information system not all not all but yes the bigger hospitals like of apollos and so on they do and that's why we have to work with them to do that uh, right one is that secondly the rate of data transmission is much higher because there the need for real time information is there the alert system is very distinct uh, right uh, and then there are reports which are needed by the hospitals right so the consumption of reports timing of it escalation matrix if alert comes to this 10 minutes nothing happen it goes to this and so on right so that making that entire escalation matrix etc is very much critical and what is also needed is that it is not just about the parameters that you are giving contactlessly but say a category of patients may also require something more so your device also needs to be extensible that way so imagine there is a uh, as in a patient post cardiac surgery right might also require rhythm monitoring as well uh, because they might develop certain kind of arrhythmias uh, in cabg kind of setups and so on and now you also need to monitor the rhythm as well now that is not possible to do contactlessly doesn't matter you use a patch put it on the patient it integrates to dozy and it gets even that information as well so that's where that device is also extensible as and when needed in future right there is a diabetic patient so then you know taking even glucose reading is also important and just put a glucometer over there and that also starts taking the data in the same line but the clinicians are getting the entire information at one place right in the most seamless way in the easiest possible way which is there okay. and uh, like hospitals typically deploy this across all beds or only icu beds or like actually not in icu i see they already have monitors so they don't require actually require it and their nurse to patient ratio is 1 is to 1 where it augments is actually outside icu where the staff is not that highly trained as well uh, at the same time the monitoring is intermittent so outside icu where there are critical to sub critical kind of patients uh, right so these are typically about 10 to 20% of the beds to start with it starts from there but then we have also seen hospitals putting it in every bed as well right once they start seeing that this actually improves the efficiency 
This makes the patient outcomes much better than uh, reduces the burden on nursing. So they adopt it uh, later on a larger set of bikes as well. So that, that happens. And not just that we have seen, even what we have seen is then outgoing patients also, you know, take the home monitoring piece as well. So that is how our GTM and works. Okay. So the hospital, it becomes like a B2B2C kind of a sales channel. Got it. So uh, I guess that the critical thing here is hospital onboarding. So how, how do you do that? Like you have like a sales team, which is like building relationships with hospitals. And like, how did you figure that out? Like, I mean, getting time from uh, hospitals is like not the easiest thing to do. How did you figure all of that out? So we have a very experienced sales team, which typically has experience of selling uh, medical devices and equipment to hospitals already. And uh, yeah, that is how it is done. That is how we do it as well. And how many uh, devices have you sold till date? Like what is the... So we have currently about 7,500 uh, hospital beds at OZ monitors today. Mm-hmm. Okay. And your revenue is one-time cost plus a subscription also because for the data and the... For hospitals, it is a pure subscription because it's a B2B kind of a model. Uh, For home, it is what you are saying, one-time plus subscription. Okay. 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 Uh, So why did you decide to change the model for hospitals that not charge them a one-time and only subscription? Just to reduce the barrier to entry a bit, as in we are fine with even that as well. One way or other, he's had financings, uh, you know, which work out. This works for us. It kind of, uh, you know, also tells the hospital that we have skin in the game as well. Uh, right? Because we are a new company uh, today. We have to approach it differently. Uh, when we are you know, taking subscription, at that time, hospitals knows that we are going to give best quality services. Uh, right, it is not just one time sell and one kind of a method for which we have come over here. We are here to stay, we are here to give the best services, and that is the kind of commitment that is needed, uh, as well. Uh, what's your headcount like? How big are you as a company? So, today we have about 260 members. Wow, okay, and what is the split like? So, about 40 people are in sales, about 70 are in technology, product development, R&D, right? Uh, There is a good uh, team for even support functions as well, both for home and hospital. Uh, So there is close to about uh, 70 people that we have in field and so on for support uh, and so on. And then there are augmentary functions like HR, finance. So that's where we have rest of the people. No, okay, okay. So what's the roadmap for Dozy? Like, do you see yourself like, say, an Apple, which is like devices plus, like a, Apple is like an ecosystem of devices and software and services and all of that. Like, is that what you see Dozy as? Or? You can say that's a, a good parallel, but where we would probably differ with Apple is that we are not restricted to just our devices, right? We want to uh, create a platform that unifies this entire, the, the true continuum of care from home to ICU, right? Uh, the entire patient data flow, which is there and which is required in the most seamless way, we want to build a platform for that. There are certain kind of, uh, you know, places where we have reimagined the way uh, data should be collected. 
like in wards, like at home and so on, where we are going to own it, uh, right? At the same time, uh, we also understand that, you know, not everything we are going to create. That's where we work a lot on the partnerships. We work on integrations as well to complete the picture as well, right? It is not just giving some things in the best way, some things in the best way, but as and when needed, uh, you know, being open to more things uh, in that ecosystem as well, right? Like you could uh, have like a smartwatch integration so someone who's wearing a smartwatch, that, that data also goes through Dozy into the dashboard of the doctor. We are, we are working on that, exactly. How much of your focus is on India and how much outside India? Like what do you see? Currently, I guess it must be all India, right? The, the revenues? Currently, it is all India. 100% India, but uh, we are also expecting our FDA 510K soon. Okay, 510K is like an approval. Okay. Yes. FDA is two kinds FDA 510K and FDA de novo. Uh, FDA 510K approval is something that we are awaiting. Uh, once we have that, we are going to launch this uh, outside India as well. In fact, we have already started preparation. Africa is something, uh, you know, we are starting right away. Yeah, Africa would be a great market, no, in terms of like, the, uh, the opportunities there. Correct. So one model, right? So India is a good mix of two markets that I would say, uh, both developing as well as developed market. Uh, so the developing market, which we have cracked that, you know, uh, using technology to improve efficiency, give better outcomes where in low resource settings, that is something which is directly replicable in all of these places because they have similar set of issues. The other one, which is the developed uh, market, they have issues of aging and so on. So there the approach is going to be slightly different. But we have models for both. So Amazing. Within uh, India, what is your split between metro cities and tier 2, tier 3? Like, have you gone beyond metros? Is it largely in metros right now? I won't say it is just in metros. Metros is probably 40%, tier 1 is 40% and then comes tier 3 as well till where we have reached. We have hospitals in places like Jantalpur, which I had never heard of as well, where you know, they are using this technology as well. Uh, Jagdalpur, Kubli, Shimoga. Right? So we do have, uh, you know, even tier 3 towns, uh, hospitals also on this. Uh, especially in the public settings. In public settings, we have gone beyond uh, the metros and tier ones. In private, yes, we are still more loaded towards metros because that's where our sales team and uh, everything is. Uh, and what do you price it at? Like oh, a subscription for a hospital? What is the monthly per bed that they need to pay? So it little bit depends upon what is the you know services that they require. It ranges uh, between uh, about $500 to about $1,000 a year uh, over there. Got it. Okay. So, uh, uh, you know, India is launching this uh, initiatives around patient health records and making it interoperable also. Uh, uh, each patient can get a unique health record ID. I'm not fully clear on the mechanics of it, but what you are building, uh, how does that plug into this uh, ecosystem which India is creating? Directly plugs into that. It, it is very, it is, uh, in fact, we are working with the NDHM team as well, uh, right, uh, over there. And moment, you know, right now it is more focused towards spot checks and telemedicine. But as soon as they are open for more data streamings and so on, uh, 
we are going to ensure that you know dozy is directly available pluggable to that as well uh right in fact that is a great vision uh, which is there and we would like to fully support that in fact that aligns completely with dozy's vision right making data more available more accessible right that's perfect so uh, what what is ndhm national digital health mission okay i was i think the earlier name they have renamed it to abdm uh or something like that. okay and uh, so they are supposed to be like private players who will create these patient health record ids no so are you going to be one of those or are you going to plug into those private players who create uh, like i spoke to ak care which is in that yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, our role will be different actually so patient onboarding yes we can also do that bit as well uh, but our role will be more into data creation piece that imagine someone has a uh, uhid or someone has uh, the ndhm id which is there then they can put their dozy records into their ids so which will be available to any of the hospitals they are consulting and so on as well so our role is more into being the data creator part and then if they have their data available from other sources that dozy can also be a place where they can also view it and use some advanced analytics so data consumption and uh, creation part is something that we from on to dozy right so there are different roles that every uh, player plays so we will be there yeah okay 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 so the dozy app would be more focused on stream of information whereas like this uhid universal health id apps will be point of time information like on 3rd of january this was your blood sugar level for example correct so, yeah but that is also important so dozy will also uh, you know uh, add on to that data point as well so you can today as well you can you can export reports which can go into that their movement instance can go into that for that matter right okay so uh, i guess an important piece of building this interoperable ecosystem is alliances with other device makers you know so what are you doing on that front like uh, i i guess there's ultra human which has this again real time monitoring of sugar and so on so so are you like building collaborations there to have the data flow we are so yes so for that whatever are the kind of communication layers and everything which are needed we already have those and then there are certain standards in which uh, you know medical devices operate like hl7 fhir so we do work in those standards it is not that difficult actually for us to integrate to something or for them to integrate with us like either way it is very easy and straightforward yeah okay okay and are you looking to raise more funds Yeah, of course. <laughs> We have to go deeper in India market. Uh, it's a demanding market in itself, huge potential, uh, but demanding. At the same time, we are also expanding now outside India as well, especially after MT and so on. So yes, we'll be raising funds as well. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad@thepodium.in. That's ad@thepodium.in.